Hey, hey, six weeks into the school year, and we're here with a mini episode update. And we discovered David's obsession with locking his car doors. Welcome to the Grown Up with Kids <laughs> podcast mini edition. Mini, you should you should say it like that. Mini edition. <laughs> hey, hey, how's it going? Good. You? I'm doing great, Rachel. Good. I Good. Think, I think I'm doing great. We're both worried. <laughs> really worried. We've been really worried lately. Uh, what are you worried about? Well, right this minute. I think I'm worried about our kids in different ways. Yeah, so let's fill everyone in. Our kids are all away right now at a sleepover. Yes, at the same house. At the same house. (laughs) God bless. God bless them. (laughs) Um, So that's what I'm worried about right this minute. I sort of just bounce around between being worried about them and worried about work. And Uh, I've I've had a lot of worry about work the last two weeks, would you say? Yes. And it's been noticeable. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed it. I have these mild OCD tendencies. Mild is the understatement of the year. No, it's not. I, I have really <laughs> mild OCD tendencies. I don't, I'm not clinically OCD, but I do things like double check locking my car twice. Or, yeah. Triple after, check. I, after or I've quadruple um, check. walked like 20 yards away and then I'll go back. And uh, I've been doing that more than usual, and that's when I know I'm like stressed. Like, it's there's like other a, things on my mind, and so all of a sudden like my a brain tick. can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a tick. It is like a tick. Um, so there's that going on. Yeah, I feel like this is a, this is going to be. We wanted to do a mini update because in our first episode, back to school. We talked about one of our children repeating a grade, and we thought we would do an update about six weeks in because we were told about six weeks in is when they would maybe turn the corner. So they this were is, wrong. I'm just kidding. This they is were mostly right. going to be a positive <laughs> conversation because it's gone well with ups and downs, and we want to talk through those. Yeah. But I do feel a fair amount of anxiety that feels to be increased this year over a year ago, let's say, with our kids as they keep moving yes. up. We have a middle schooler, as we've talked well, about, so I that think changes the game. I think having a middle schooler is a game changer. It's like you kick it into high gear or something. Like, the activities are bigger. Um, mm-hmm. They're bigger. I mean, physically, like, I can't, like, be like, go to your room. He's like, I'll sit on you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but... um and their friendships are much more out of our control. Like I was You're watching not scheduling play dates. Right. Like I'm not scheduling play dates. Like my mom friends are not the same friends. The kids are not gonna be the same as my mom friends. Does that make sense? Yes. So when they're in second grade, you know all the moms and often they hang out with the kids who are moms you already hang out with. Yes, but now, now they're choosing. Exactly. Like so so our oldest is choosing his own friends, which is good. He's doing a good job, but like you you start to see where they might have some weaknesses socially and you start to see where they um, are really strong and you sort of start to wonder are they normal? You know, like mm-hmm. Do kids do other kids like them? Like, are they really that happy? Or are they really is are things really that dramatic? You know. And you would say, correct me if would I'm wrong, I? <laughs> that uh, you are maybe most concerned about our kids' kind of EQ and social. 
development. Yeah. More Academically, than education. Yeah. yeah, like they're fine. Like all kids make it through math. It's fine. You know, like we all kind of Not figure out. Not all kids make it up through math. <laughs> that's the problem. So I'm more concerned academically, maybe athletically a little bit. Well, that's good. Someone should be, but you know. Mainly because I'm so socially awkward that <laughs> I'm hoping they don't surpass me and become like really socially savvy like their mother. Oh, that's funny. I'm not that socially savvy, but I do have some like some general idea about how it should look. And that's I think that's the biggest thing is having a middle school boy. I'm watching like I'm watching it unfold and I'm I'm just curious like what he's really like. Like he's becoming right. it's like when you have a child who starts talking and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is like the first glimpse that we have into what you're thinking." This is how I feel with middle school. It's like this first glimpse to see what you're really made of because I'm not allowed in the school. Not because of the school, but because of our son. You sure. know, which I, is normal. When you're 12, you don't want your mom hanging out. Yeah, little does he know that I have binoculars and I sit it. I watch him. Little does he know. <laughs> I think he's actually well aware that you're he, stalking him. I know. No, I don't actually stalk him, but the middle school is in like backs Close. up to our house. Mm-hmm. And so I do get to see a little bit, yes. you know. Yeah, little anyway. glimmers. Yeah, he ran, they run laps like by our house and he ran by the house the other day and I was sitting on the porch with a friend and I yelled at him. I was so excited to see him and he ran faster, first of all. And my friend looked at me, she's like, no wonder you're worried about him socially. Like, you have to stop that. Like, that's not okay. That he ran away? No, that I was yelling from the front porch. Oh, you're the problem. I might be the problem. Uh, I, I thought she was concerned that he was problematic, but she no, realized no. that you she said, are socially you, overbearing. You might have an issue. I was like, well, that's fair. Probably. So bringing it back, we want to talk briefly as an update on how we've experienced uh, having a child repeat a grade. Yes. Um, it's about six weeks in, maybe seven now, and it's gone well. Yes. For the most part, there's been some ups and downs, but mostly ups. Yeah. Would what would what would you say the main um, downs have been? Let's start with that. Um, for yourself, like how you experienced it as a parent. I've experienced some sense of doubt on the decision, but most of the time, been pretty positive. It was the right decision, and I know that um, he misses some of his friends that he got to spend a lot more time with last year, and I feel badly that he doesn't get to see them at, during the day. Yeah. Right. I mean, he sees them the hallway and, and things like that, but doesn't get to spend as much time with him. So I think, yeah. I think that's the main downside from my perspective. Yeah, I agree. I think that the downside is that, um, he was, uh, that, yeah, he's missing some of those old friends and that kind of comes out, has come out sideways a little bit at home. Like mm-hmm. he seems really great at school. The teachers have been, like applauding him. He's like got a ton of accolades, but he um, comes home and has been angry at times because he misses his friends. So would you say that you've learned anything through this experience that either specific to this experience or more broadly for parenting? Yeah. Like, well, I think um, the main thing that I have felt myself sink into a little bit more is that my kids are individuals like mm-hmm. that um, a grade does not define them. Um, their academics don't define them. Their brothers don't define them. Their sisters, like they're, they're really separate from me. Um, and so any sort of feelings that I have around 
um, repetition or acceleration with school um, is actually like a non uh, issue, you know, like, so it's helped me to separate and say, man, I love you exactly the way you are. And I'm with you Mm -hmm. in whatever stage you're in, because it has come with some anger. Repetition has come with some anger and some frustration, but also it's also come with some new friendships that are, um, really, really sweet. And some real positive, uh, self-confidence and feeling of mastery. Yes. Been great. Absolutely. Yeah, you used the word, um, sep- uh, it wasn't separation, but sort of seeing them as separate from you. What was the yeah, word you used? Yeah, individuals. Is sure, that it? that's a big word. Um, <laughs> I'm more of a math guy. Uh, again, folks, no PhDs here. <laughs> I um, would use the word assumption, which I make a lot of assumptions. In fact, early in our marriage, that was most of what our fights would come back to you being mad that I assumed things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think I've learned to not make assumptions about how our kids feel about things. And then maybe even beyond that, or definitely beyond that, uh, not to make assumptions of why they feel. So if this is an example among many where a a child might be disappointed or angry and I make assumptions either based off of what I think I would feel in that situation or what I feel in the situation right now or what that child has done or thought or felt in the past and say, oh, they must be mad about this or they must be worried about this. Um, but in processing through this particular situation, it's become clear that the things, um, that he was worried about and even mad about were not things that I would have been worried or mad about. Maybe I would have, they weren't the things that I was thinking of during the experience. And so I think the broad lesson for me, uh, is to try to assume less in my chill, in our children, um, and really uh, be more curious about how and why they feel things. Yes. Um, and like genuine curiosity to, to know them. And that allows me to then be with them in whatever that feeling is. Yes. Uh, and maybe offer some truth if they're believing a lie or worried about a lie or to just offer some comfort. Uh, but, but I can't offer them comfort if I'm comforting them for what I think they should be worried about or yeah. sad about, not what they actually are sad and about. And that, like, when you're talking about it, it sounds really easy to do. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, that's a very normal, mature parenting thing to do. The reality is that I almost always assume that they're feeling something that I would feel in that circumstance because mm-hmm. I just forget that they're not little extensions of myself. They are actual individuals who have a totally different experience from me. Right. Um, and sometimes I can relate, and in those moments I need to, but I can't relate until I start mm-hmm. being curious about what they're experiencing. Yeah, that's so really good. That's, I think that's a really important thing to take away from the last six weeks of school is I've learned to be curious about what is happening in his little heart and what's happening in his little brain, um, instead of making assumptions for sure. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Um, is there anything you would have done differently? You know, I probably would have relaxed a little bit, I think. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> That's like the trend of my life. <laughs> yeah. If you asked us any day, what would you have done differently the last six months? Relaxed. Relax. <laughs> yeah, like rested and knowing, you know, they don't go to the prom peeing their pants. Like they all eventually sleep through the night and go away from us. Like 
um, I think that I would have taken a step to say, you know, they're going to get through this grade and it's going to be fine. They're going to be great and better mm-hmm. off for it. Relax. I don't. The other thing that I think I've been really intentional about, um, because I'm worried about him socially, I worry about all our kids socially, and I worry about other children socially. That must be a big deal in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but worrying about him socially, I have been relatively intentional about reaching out to the parents in this particular class to mm-hmm. to to make friends and build bridges for him so that he can establish himself a little bit more quickly. Um, but he he's done it on his own. Like, I don't know that I would have needed to do it as intentionally as I have. Um, and um, I could have rested a little more. Mm-hmm. So he's all right. Like, I uh, I don't give enough credit to the resilience of our kids and and the abilities that they actually carry just naturally. Mm-hmm. So, what about you? Would you have done something differently? Um... I'm tempted to say no, not because we did it perfectly, but I don't know that there's anything uh, particular to this situation that I would do differently. I think in general, going back to the curiosity piece, um, being more curious and just being a better listener Hmm. is, I think, something I'm learning in general with our kids. Um, And this is one area where that is becoming true, where I just need to have the patience and the energy um, to listen and to sit. And it's hard um, with your younger kids when you have older kids because you become a little bit accustomed to the higher level functioning of conversation to then wait on your younger kids to get through their thoughts and their thoughts aren't as linear and they don't have as big a vocabulary and they they don't know how to express their feelings. And so, um, that's an area I would like to get better at is listening well at each of the levels. Um, and some might say I could be a better, uh, listener as a husband, but. Oh, no, no. I don't know who would say that. Yeah, you do. (laughs) It's me. Um, so anything you remain concerned about? No, you know, I feel, um, I feel really good about it. I'm excited about, um, where each of our kids are at. I feel like, uh, it's going to be a good year. So it was a good choice. I think I, you know, obviously every situation is different, but I think especially for little boys, what I'm realizing is like, it's super beneficial for them to be older in the class. Um, Mm -hmm. not because all of them are immature or, you know, like can't function, but they just, I like, it's just really beneficial for little boys to feel that extra little oomph yeah, in the classroom. Yeah, sense of confidence. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Good. Well, this is a mini episode, so we're going to call it. Call it. Um, but I do have a stat of the week for you if you want to hear it. Really? I do. I didn't know you prepared one. Tell us. All right. Since we're talking about education uh, our stat of the week comes from the National Center for Educational Statistics. Uh-huh. NCES, or NCES, I guess. <laughs> Are you speaking English? NCES. <laughs> I guess there's not really... It's okay. What is the stat? Um, all right. So in um, 2017, 
I lost my stat of the week. All right. How many pupils, pupils, pupils? Is that how you say it? <laughs> <laughs> Did you say peoples? Uh, sorry. It's too, I don't know what I said, Rachel. <laughs> 2015. What do you think the pupil teacher ratio is? Isn't in that the, the weirdest States? word? Pupil. Pupil. Wait, do you spell pupil the I the same way you spell pupil the student? Pupil the I, pupil the student. Right? Yeah, look- yeah. I think it's the same. Well, we should look it up and fact check it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just post this podcast and someone else will tell us. All right. What do you think the pupil teacher ratio was? It's not the in average class size. It's the pupil teacher ratio. So you okay. have more teachers than you have actually in the classroom. Um, I'm guessing 10 students to each teacher. Could that be right? Wow. No, that's way low. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What does that say about our public education? 22 students to one teacher. So maybe that's it. It was about 20. So it's 27 pupils per class. Pupils. That's such an odd word. Right. Okay. The average class size was 27 pupils, but that was not the question I asked. Um, in elementary school, it was 21 pupils, kids. Just say Just kids. Just say kids. <laughs> per public elementary school. But the Per total, teacher? Per class. Okay. So you have, the class, the student-teacher ratio was 16 in 2015. 16 kids to each teacher. Yeah, up from 15.3 in 2008. But that 15.3 had been like a steady drop from the 1970s when it was like 22.3. That's I when kids imagine, behaved. Yeah. No, <laughs> I would imagine that's because there's so many more teachers that aren't primary teachers. So you have like support and other yeah, you know, like reading para, specialists para and all that pros stuff. and stuff, yeah. So interesting. Anyway, yeah, that was, I thought that was kind of interesting. Those numbers actually are lower than I expected, the 16 yeah. and even the 21.2. Um, that is a little bit old. That's from 2012. But uh, I thought that was interesting. I, speaking of a number that I thought was high in this little report is the average salary for public school teachers in 2017. What do you think the number was? Oh, man, I will be disgusted. I know it. I think teachers are so underpaid. Um, I don't know. Th- is it 30000 They are um, extremely underpaid. And no, it's much higher than that. Oh, good. It's almost twice that. Really? 60000 58950 And that was what year? 2017. That's the average for all public school teachers. So that includes teachers who've been around like for decades and, and yeah, yeah. master's degrees and all that. Uh, I think starting in a lot of states is 28 to 32, depending oh on the gosh. state. So it's a real tough. They're underpaid. Um, and in fact, um, for inflation-adjusted dollars, the average salary for teachers was actually 2% lower in 2017 than it was in 1991. So it's Shut been essentially up. the same amount that they've been paid for 25 years. That is unbelievable. It's not good. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't want to go into a political rant, but that's nuts. If I mean, I can't even stay home with my three kids for an entire week in a row without like leaving our house or going like somewhere, going on a field mm. trip of some sort. Like, I can't imagine being with 22 students in a classroom. Or even 16 students in a classroom all day for an entire week. That's a lot of work. That's a ton of work. And then they bring it home and they're doing stuff at home and they're dealing with parents. Parents are no picnic. That's the worst part. Oh, hands down. I'm sure of it. (laughs) I mean, all of us parents, we need to give nice gifts, mostly cash, I think, to teachers at Christmas. (laughs) 
right. So on that note, Rachel. <laughs> I know. We'll do another podcast on that. Yeah. Thanks so much for working on the farm. Thank you for working on the farm. All right. All right.